Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk, your Cleveland.com Ohio State podcast. This is Bill Landis, uh, flying solo for this one. We're going to do an all-recruiting podcast. Normally on Wednesdays, it's myself, Doug Maurice, and Tim Bielek talking about the Buckeyes, um, mostly fast food, a little bit of football sprinkled in. Um, we will get back uh, to talking some more team stuff as we get closer to the Cotton Bowl against USC on December 29th. But wanted to do a recruiting kind of mailbag podcast. Um, got a lot of questions on really Thursday night, Wednesday night and Thursday night. Ohio State um, picked up two commitments, one from four-star defensive back Tyreek Johnson, another from three-star quarterback Matthew Baldwin, and then, of course, lost a commitment from five-star defensive end Brenton Cox. Um, so it's been an eventful week for Ohio State in recruiting. We are coming up on the December 20th early signing period. Um, December 20th to December 22nd is when players can sign. They can also sign on the, the normal window that begins in February. Um, but this, this early signing period is speeding things up, um, changing, I think, the way December recruiting rolls. Um, so a lot has been happening, um, especially as it pertains to Ohio State in the last few days. And I suspect that will be the case up up until the 20th and, and through probably the 22nd. And it will slow down a little bit again as we uh, – gear up and get into January and then February for the, the regular signing day. Um, so before I get to your questions, and I appreciate you sending them in, um, again, if you have them, you can always tweet them at me. Uh, at, uh, my Twitter account is at BillLandis25. Um, send them there. You can email them to me, blandis at cleveland.com. You can also send your non-recruiting questions that we can use for the normal podcast there. Uh, as well, um, and I'll say this too, uh, I, I was thinking of doing a basketball podcast. I know some people have been asking for that. Uh, we will have one. Um, we'll have at least one before Big Ten play begins in January. I'm, I'm thinking maybe we'll do one um, before the basketball team plays against North Carolina on December 23rd in the CBS Sports Classic. Uh, I was going to do one today, but then they play on Saturday and they play kind of a, a sneaky good William and Mary team that I think might might tell us some stuff. So I didn't want to do one and then have that be old um, by the time that that, that game happens. So um, opt for recruiting instead, and we're going to make it recruiting mailbag. So I got your questions on Twitter. Before I get to those, like I said, uh, just a quick reminder of where things stand with Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State still has the number one ranked recruiting class in, in 2018. That would be Urban Meyer's first recruiting title 
at Ohio State if you care about such things. Um, Alabama has been the king, as we know, for I think it's seven years. Maybe it's eight years now. Um, and Ohio State's trying to come for that top spot. They're in a good position to do so. Uh, with 19 commitments, I believe they will end up taking 25. They can't take more than 25 because of new NCAA rules that pre- prevent over-signing. Um, but they can take 25, and they're currently at 19, uh, with certainly more uh, to come in the fold. Um, and I guess before we get to the questions, I, I, I'll run through the cl- class quickly because I do think just given the way this week has gone, people might be getting a little nervous about the security of some of the commitments of these players. Um, and I was just looking at the list of, of guys and who I think should potentially still be on flip watch. And there aren't many. I mean, I guess having one is cause for concern, but there aren't many, um, which is good for Ohio State considering how much they're recruiting outside of Ohio. So um, just real quickly, uh, I'll run through the list and tell you whether or not I think that guy is, is good to go or, or potentially on flip watch. Um, Teron Vincent, five-star defensive tackle, locked in. Jalen Gill, five-star running back, locked in. Jaden Woodbay, who uh, I think is a newly minted five-star. I think he picked up his fifth star. Yeah, he picked up his fifth star this week when the, the recruiting services updated some of their rankings. So uh, he, I would not say, is totally locked in. Um, I think Oklahoma and USC both would like to try to flip him. Uh, five-star safety from out in California. So I don't I don't think Ohio State's out of the woods with him yet. Obviously not out of the woods with Emory Jones. Four-star quarterback from Georgia who, depending on when you're listening to this this weekend, very well may have already made his decision to either stay, reaffirm his commitment or, or decommit and probably look at Alabama. Um, as I record this at 2 o'clock on Friday afternoon, that hasn't happened yet. Um, but certainly no, not much security there as it pertains to Jones. Um, Jeremy Rucker, tight end, good. Matthew Jones, center, good. Taraja Mitchell, linebacker, good. Um, Josh Proctor, safety from Oklahoma. I think is also on flip watch. The Sooners would love to keep him in state. Um, Ohio State does have a lot of safeties in this class with Woodbay and, and Proctor and Marcus Hooker, who is a cornerback projected as a safety, and then Tyreek Johnson, who I mentioned um, as a safety slash cornerback prospect um, in this class as well. So uh, I would not say that that at the moment Proctor is is safely assumed to be in this class either. And then the rest of the guys I think all are. Um, Tyree Johnson, who I mentioned, Brian Sneed, running back, Max Ray, offensive tackle, Blue Smith, wide receiver, Dallas Gant, linebacker, Kayvon Pope, linebacker, Antoine Jackson, the Juco defensive tackle, Seven Banks, cornerback, Master Teague, running back, Matthew Baldwin at quarterback, and Marcus Hooker, um, defensive back, who I mentioned before. So uh, I think the majority of this class, it's pretty safe to assume that these guys are going to be in. Um, the ones that I would feel not great about at the moment are Wood Bay, especially Emory Jones and Josh Proctor. Um, but I think Ohio State overall is in a pretty good spot um, with, uh, was it about a little over a week and a half now until the early signing period can begin? So, okay, that's enough of me rambling and talking to myself. Let's get to some of your questions. First question is from Wade Flint at SureBuckeye89 on Twitter. Have uh, one of a couple of Matthew Baldwin, Emory Jones-related questions. Um, He asks, what are your thoughts on Matthew Baldwin committing? How does that affect Emory Jones and his commitment and then he says, Baldwin looks like he can really sling it. Uh, I, I put my thoughts out in a story on Cleveland.com on uh, Thursday night. Matthew Baldwin committed about, this was about 10 p.m., maybe 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. I was settling in. I had put some pizza bagels in the microwave. 
I was settling in to watch the fourth quarter of the 76ers-Lakers game. It was shaping up to be a very exciting finish, and it was. And then I couldn't pay attention to any of it because Matthew Baldwin uh, committed. And when anyone commits, you have to, I, that takes all my attention, especially so when it's a quarterback. So uh, I thought it was interesting. I thought that the, the timing more than anything. I, I kind of assumed once Ohio State had offered Matthew Baldwin in November and then he uh, uh, visited and then uh, subsequently decommitted from Colorado State, that that was a pretty good sign that Ohio State was going to land his commitment at some point. Uh, what was unclear was whether or not Ohio State was going to sort of hold off on him. And Urban Meyer made a comment when I asked about quarterback recruiting um, earlier this year. He said, "There's you like to have a guy you can keep on the back burner and try to flip late, is how Meyer described it. And if there was anyone in the country, I think, that there was in that position for Ohio State, it was Baldwin, um, who, who I think will not end up enrolling early, um, was pledged to Colorado State, like I said, and then decommitted. And I think he, at, at first, was somewhat of a security blanket, but he's not now. I don't think you accept a commitment from a security blanket when the guy you're, you already have committed that he's a security blanket for is still in your, still in your class. Um, so I thought it was interesting, the timing. I think the timing of taking Baldwin's commitment now suggests that Ohio State, if it does lose Emory Jones, is kind of just willing to lose him. And maybe that's harsh to say. It's probably not what a lot of Ohio State fans want to hear, but... Um, you can't you can't keep getting strung along. Um, it's Emory Jones' right, and and it's to some extent um, it's certainly his prerogative to to look around. And he's visited Alabama and Auburn, which are much closer to his home in Georgia, several times. Um, and he only went to Ohio State once this fall. He's been to Ohio State plenty in the past, but I think you could kind of see the writing on the wall that maybe it wasn't going to end up in Ohio State's favor. And and that's not to say right now that it won't. I think it still could. But Ohio State wasn't going to get held hostage, and they couldn't. Urban Meyer wants a, wants a quarterback every year, and he, he couldn't risk not having one. Um, so they went out and they identified Baldwin. They liked him enough to offer. They they accepted his commitment. And, and now Ohio State at the moment has two quarterbacks committed in the 2018 recruiting class. I thought all along they could end up with two anyway. I think it's very possible, very likely, that they will lose one of the quarterbacks on the roster before the 2018 season. Um, I, I think candidly that that it will be Joe Burrow. I just he's supposed to graduate in May. I wrote about that this week. Um, I don't think he will win the starting job in the spring. I think it will probably probably be Dwayne Haskins and Tate Martell. I think will have a role and and Burrow. You know, partly because Haskins is really good, partly because Burrow got hurt, but Burrow kind of is, is getting marginalized a little bit. I think in, in the quarterback battle, and that happens. That was inevitable. Someone was going to, um, which just happened to be him. So I think that it's very likely he transfers after the spring, and then you're left with two scholarship quarterbacks, and, and Urban Meyer would like to have four when he can. He hasn't always had four, but he would like to have four. And I think ideally the four would be Haskins, Martell, Emory Jones, and Matthew Baldwin. Um, but then again, it's also very possible that it'll just be Haskins and Martell and Baldwin, and that's a little bit of a precarious situation if you're Ohio State. Um, we've, we know all too well quarterback injuries can happen. Um, Ohio State had it happen and, and lived to tell about it in a major way in 2014, but they find themselves in some kind of similar position next year. It's very likely that the guy they have to call on is true freshman Matthew Baldwin. Um, that's getting way ahead, but that's just to sort of illustrate the position of Ohio State and why they would want four, why River Meyer always wants four, even when it seems kind of unrealistic to keep four on the roster. Um, that's where they're at. So 
we'll we'll get to more Baldwin stuff. Um, here's another Baldwin question from Tuamu. I don't this T U U A M U. I'm not sure what that's supposed to mean. It's T U U A M U 55 on Twitter. He asked if Baldwin were more than a one year starter, would he be ranked higher? His highlights are impressive. Uh, yeah, probably. He's a three-star prospect. He's a number 17 pro-style passer in the 247 sports composite ratings. He is only a three-star prospect because this is his first year starting uh, for Lake Travis High School in Austin, Texas. Lake Travis is a program that uh, produced Baker Mayfield, um, produced Michael Brewer, who you might remember was the quarterback for Virginia Tech when Ohio State played them in 2014, and, and I think he was there in 2015 still. Um, his brother, Charlie Brewer, is the quarterback at Baylor, started as a true freshman this year, and Todd Reesing, who was a quarterback at Kansas in 2007 when they went to the Orange Bowl. Um, all those guys are from Lake Travis, so they have a pretty good uh, track record of producing um, productive quarterbacks in college, and I think Matthew Baldwin is, is another one. Um, I know Emory Jones is one of the top-rated players, not quarterbacks, players in the country, and I'm not trying to minimize the impact of losing a commitment from player from a player like that if it happens, but I do think that Matthew Baldwin, um, frankly, similar in the vein of, of Joe Burrow, is is better than people are going to are going to be willing to give him credit for right now. He's got 41 touchdown passes and only a few interceptions. He's thrown for over 3,000 yards. He runs a little bit. He's his team's leading rusher. His rushing stats aren't crazy, but he does it at the highest level of high school football in Texas. And we all know how good high school football is in Texas. Um, he's got his team in the state quarterfinals in his first year starting. Um, and I think he checks a lot of boxes. If you watch his highlight tape, it is impressive, uh, like the question said. He's got a good arm. He makes a variety of throws. He runs when he needs to. And, and I think most importantly for Urban Meyer when he's evaluating quarterbacks is that the kid wins. Like I said, he's got his team in the state uh, quarterfinals. So um, I, I do think that Baldwin would probably be a four-star if he were a two-year starter. That's kind of the way recruiting rankings work. I, I, I do think they're important. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that like if you could have a five team full of five stars, like you would probably want that. Um, but I do think that sometimes people see three stars and automatically think a kid stinks, and that's certainly not the case. Um, and I think there are two kids in this class um, who are three-slash-low four-stars who are going to end up being pretty good college players, and that's Matthew Baldwin and uh, Master Teague, the running back. J.F. Chenger uh, had a question, a uh, non-quarterback question. He says, sorry for the pauses, I need to drink water. He says, does the sudden lack of defensive end success this cycle point to a long-term issue? For example, how long can other teams continuously use Larry Johnson's retirement bullet? Um, and then he has a couple of follow-up questions. So I'll say this. Um, no, I don't. I don't think it's a it's a lingering issue. Um, I do think Larry Johnson's in his sixties. He's been coaching a long time. I know that his son had tweeted something not that long ago about his father being close to retirement. That's going to happen. Larry Johnson's not going to coach forever, nor should he. He should enjoy um, some personal time and then step away and, and kind of live out the rest of his life, knowing that he was one of the best defensive line coaches ever. Certainly that's a huge selling point for Ohio State right now is come get coached by Larry Johnson. Um, the guy puts defensive linemen in the league better than anybody, and you can see it with the, the defensive line rotation they had this year, how he developed guys like Sam Hubbard and, and Tyquan Lewis. Um, Nick Bosa came here very talented, but I think he'd tell you too that Larry Johnson has made him a much better player. Um, I don't think that's why Brenton Cox decommitted, if that's part of the question. I think Brenton Cox... Um, 
like a lot of kids, uh, commits to an out-of-state program, is committed a long time, and then signing day approaches, and, and I think you have some second thoughts about, hmm, maybe I want to stay closer to home. And that happens. Um, it doesn't happen to Ohio kids a lot because usually the best ones commit to Ohio State anyway. Um, but it certainly happens with kids out of the South, and that's the game you play when you're Ohio State and you want to go recruit in places like Georgia and Florida and Texas and California. You're going to have to deal with some of that. So Cox decommitted. I, I assume he'll end up at either Alabama or Georgia. And um, while that stinks for Ohio State, and maybe they were a little blindsided by it, I think in, in my mind that makes a lot of sense that that would end up happening. Um, so all that said, I, I do think that combating the rumors of Larry Johnson's retirement is a thing for Ohio State. Larry Johnson's contract is actually up after this season. I wouldn't read too much into that. Um, Ohio State's assistants usually operate on one- and two-year contracts. Every Ohio State assistant outside of Kevin Day and Ryan Wilson um, has their contract expiring after this year, some in January, some in April, but they'll all need new deals and they'll all get new deals. I do think Larry Johnson will be around for at least next year. Um, how much longer he'll be here, I don't know. I don't know, that, and that's that's certainly something Ohio State has to combat. I don't think it's a long-term issue. I think that he's probably the assistant um, with the most pull, Larry Johnson, just because of his track record with defensive li- defensive linemen. Um, but these kids come to play here. They come to play for Urban Meyer. I think if Larry Johnson does decide to retire, whenever that is, um, Urban Meyer has enough sway with people and and trust at least among recruits maybe not among the fan base all the time but trust among recruits that he'll find um the right defensive line coach to come in and take over for larry johnson so i don't think it's a long-term issue i think if you look at 2019 and players like zach harrison um kate stover who are local guys but i I think they're going to be in an okay spot in 2019 um but the 2018 class is a little up in the air right now as it pertains, pertains to defensive end and um, it's a tough spot for Ohio State, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, the rest of J.F. Changer's question, he says, biggest potential flip targets remaining? Um, I think there's maybe one, and that's Cameron Brown, who's a four-star receiver who's committed to Nebraska. Um, a little bit of backstory on him. He is a teammate of Cameron Babb um, out in St. Louis, Christian Brothers College, I believe is the name of the school, a high school. And... Um, Cameron Brown was committed to Nebraska, I believe, when he visited Ohio State. I'll look it up real quick as I'm talking. He visited Ohio State in the spring or the summer. I think it was the spring. And then he decommitted to Ohio State, decommitted from Nebraska shortly after that. Okay, so he visited Ohio State in June while he was a Nebraska commit. He visited June 9th. He decommitted from Nebraska on June 10th, and then he recommitted to Nebraska on August 7th. And he's still currently a Nebraska commit, but he is on an official visit to Ohio State this weekend. Um, I think if Ohio State can flip anybody, they have the best shot at flipping him. Um, there are others. Uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but um, Pallier Gaut. Gaut- Gaetiote is a linebacker from uh, Bishop Gorman in Nevada who is committed to USC. Um, Ohio State had recruited him for a long time. They started recruiting him when they were recruiting Tate Martell and Haskell Garrett um, out of Bishop Gorman. Um, and then Gaetiote committed to USC. I think Ohio State would still like to get him on campus for an official visit and will take its swing. I don't expect them to win out. I think he stays at USC. Um, but outside of those two, I don't know how many flip targets there are. If you want to consider Matthew Baldwin a flip, I, I guess you could. There was some time elapsed between his decommitment and from Colorado State and his commitment to Ohio State. Um, but yeah, Cameron Brown, 
the receiver, I think, is a, is a real flip target. And then Gautiote, the, the linebacker from Bishop Gorman, is one that Ohio State would love to flip. I just don't know if they're going to be able to do it in the end. And the final question from J.F. Chenger um, under the umbrella of the defensive end stuff was Micah Parsons' ship turn turn around the ball, which I thought was a good word. Uh, Micah Parsons, a five-star defensive end from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, will be deciding on December 20th. Um, he keeps saying that Ohio State is in the mix. Uh, I don't believe that to be true. I don't. I, th- I think Ohio State just kind of made a decision that they were going to stop pursuing him. Um, there are reasons there. I think off the field stuff that I don't want to get into because they're personal. Um, but I think you've you've read that at Cleveland.com and you've read that at other places. I just think from an off the field fit standpoint, Ohio State was not comfortable pursuing um, Micah Parsons the way some other programs are. So they're not. Um, I don't. I don't think he gets back in the fold. I fully expect him to end up back with Penn State, where he was committed for a while and then decommitted uh, last spring. Um, Oklahoma is in the mix there. He has said that Nebraska is no longer in the mix with their coaching taint change. Um, so I think it's a, most likely Penn State. Um, if he does something weird, maybe Oklahoma, uh, maybe Georgia. But I expect Parsons to be in the Big Ten at Penn State, just not with Ohio State. And I don't think the Buckeyes get back into that mix um, fully. Quan Tran, Super TBQ on Twitter. He asks, with Georgia in the college football playoff and Tom Herman at Texas, will Ohio State lose two important pipelines? How do they make up for losing Texas and Georgia recruits? Um, it's a really good question. It's a really good question. Um, I don't know. I think the, the, the bread and butter for Ohio State has, has always certainly been your backyard first. And then with Urban Meyer, it's been Florida. Um, I think you could see maybe more of a push into California. They're not going to stop recruiting in Texas and Georgia. They're too important. There's enough talent in both states. Tom Herman can't get all the kids in Texas, and Kirby Smart can't get all the kids in Georgia. Um, so they're not going to stop recruiting down there. Um, will, will they be able to get Raquan McMillan moving forward? I don't know. That might be difficult. Will they be able to get Jeffrey Okuda moving forward? Probably not. They're, they tried to get Anthony Cook, and it seems like Texas made a big push back to get Anthony Cook, a five-star cornerback from Houston. Um, so you can sort of see the sea change a little bit, um, but that doesn't mean Ohio State's going to stop recruiting in those areas. Um, programs have out-of-state programs have recruiting there for years um, because just because there's a lot of talent, and, and Georgia can't take them all, and Texas can't take them all. So uh, maybe you'll see, you know, fewer fewer guys in, in some recruiting classes. They had was a four Texas guys last year. Um, maybe you don't see four Texas guys this year, but if you just look at the makeup of the class now, you have uh, Teron Vincent, who was originally from Maryland but plays in Florida, Jalen Gill from Ohio, Jaden Woodbay from California, Jeremy Ruckert from New York, Taraja Mitchell from Virginia, Emory Jones from Georgia, Tyreek Johnson from Florida, Matthew Jones from New York, Josh Proctor from Oklahoma, Brian Sneed from Florida, Max Ray from Tennessee, Blue Smith from Ohio, Dallas Gant from Ohio, Kevon Pope from Virginia, Master Teague from Tennessee, Antoine Jackson, um, who was originally from Georgia but plays um, at junior college in Texas. Seven Banks from Florida, Matthew Baldwin from Texas, and Marcus Hooker from Pennsylvania. So, like, these are all places they've been in traditionally. I think Ohio State's done a good job of, of, of finding kids in New York um, when they can. Um, Curtis Samuel, obviously, um, being chief among those guys. And then they get, they get kids from Jersey, Jordan Fuller, one from Pennsylvania every now and then. There's only one kid from Texas committed. And that's it's Antoine Jackson. It's not even a real Texas kid. Um, 
and then there are two kids from Georgia committed, and they could very well lose one of them and, and Emory Jones. So you are sensing the change. I don't know, like, where else do you go? You're not going to go into Louisiana because all those kids go to LSU. You're in Florida. You're in California. Um, they're in Tennessee this year. I think they're doing a good job of taking advantage of the uncertainty around the Tennessee program, whether or not that goes past 2018, I think remains to be seen. Um, Tennessee has a head coach in place now, or will soon, I guess, after Alabama's playoff run with Jeremy Pruitt. So um, Ohio State will always be in Ohio. It will always be in Florida. And I think you just kind of keep your eye on states with decent talent with the college program that's maybe struggling a little bit. Ohio State's been pretty good at picking its spots there. But I, I don't think Tom Herman and the rise of Texas and Georgia being in the playoff is going to be some kind of major shot to Ohio State. Um, Urban Meyer recruited in the SEC for, for five years and, and did well. Um, and I think he knows how to navigate these waters, even when there are competitive programs in the places he likes to recruit. Nathan G. Nilly, uh, another Emory Jones question. He says, translate Emory Jones confused emoji tweet and predict if he stays in the class. Um, I don't really have a strong prediction. I think you'll, you'll find some people who say that in the end they'll think he's in. And then there are people who have thought for, for weeks and months that, that there was no way he'd end up in this class. Um, I thought his tweet was interesting. When Matthew Baldwin committed on on Thursday night, Emory Jones tweeted like that uh, hmm, kind of emoji with the guy holding his chin um, thinking. And I think part of that is just like he knows how to play the game on Twitter and knows what will get people um, to give some kind of reaction, and certainly that's it. I find it very hard to believe that that he didn't know that the Matthew Baldwin's commitment was a possibility. Um, I have to believe that Urban Meyer and Ryan Day, when they went and visited Emory Jones this week, were very forthright with him and, and letting him know what the deal is. So um, I don't think he was caught off guard. Um, I think that was a well-timed tweet, um, good social media strategy on him, on his part. But uh, maybe it does mean that, uh, if you want to read into it, maybe it does mean that you know, he, he he won't end. He won't end up here. I don't know. I think it's it's very easy to read too much into those things. Um, he's been very pro Ohio State on social media. Um, he's never. I don't even think he's tweeted like pro Alabama or pro Auburn things. Or if he has, he's done very little and certainly tweeted more pro Ohio State stuff while he's still been committed. So um, I wouldn't read too much into the tweet. I thought it was funny. Um, I put it in uh, the story that I wrote on Thursday night about what Baldwin's commitment means. Um, if you want to put me down on the spot and say whether or not he ends up in the class, pure guess, I'll say yes, um, but I'm prepared to be wrong on that. Um, Lorenzo Harris, same question. Out of 100%, what's the likelihood Emory Jones stays committed to Ohio State? I said yes, I'll make it 51% um, and, and hedge totally without being 50-50. Um, I think it's it's very fluid. Um, he's supposed to have an in-home visit, I believe, with Alabama this week. Nick Saban in your house can be very persuasive. Um, I do think we'll have an answer to whatever's going to happen um, by Sunday sometime. Um, and then he asked, do you think Adrian Martinez will end up a Buckeye instead of Jones? I don't. I think Ohio State will either have Emory Jones and Matthew Baldwin or just Matthew Baldwin. Um, I think if they were truly interested in, in adding Adrian Martinez, who is a current Tennessee commit uh, four-star dual-threat quarterback, I think they would have offered him already. They offered Jaron Williams, the four-star former Kentucky commit who is now uh, committed to Miami. They offered Matthew Baldwin. They did not offer Martinez. Um, that doesn't mean Martinez is a bad player. I think he's he, he looks good on, a, on his tape. He looks very good. 
Um, I just think that they didn't want a bunch of quarterback offers out there and, and to, to muddy the situation up any further. So I think that it's Marti- it's um, excuse me, Emory Jones and Baldwin or just Baldwin. And I don't think they, they circle back completely on Martinez and give him a scholarship offer. Douglas DeLillo had a question, uh, who's our part-time producer on Buckeye Talk, because he always sends in really good uh, thought-provoking questions. Um, he says, is Master Teague the most under-ranked prospect in this class? How many Heismans does he win? Heismans, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, I think he's really good. I think he uh, – so I've been covering Ohio State. My first season covering Ohio State was 2014. And uh, this is my first year, like, really handling all the recruiting stuff. Ari Wasserman did it before I did. Uh, shout out to Ari. And, but I always, like, kept on on top of the recruiting. I liked watching the tapes of, of guys and of the running backs Ohio State has signed since I've been covering Ohio State. So it's not many recruiting classes. It's guys like uh, DeMario McCall and Antonio Williams, um, certainly J.K. Dobbins. Um, Master Teague's tape to me is the most impressive of all those players. Now he plays, I think, in a lower level of competition than all those guys did down in Tennessee. Um, but Master Master Teague is, I think, pretty big. He's 5'11", 210. He looks bigger than that in my mind. I've seen him uh, here at Friday Night Lights. I saw him at a, a couple games early this year. He's a big, sturdy dude who's got pull-away speed. Um, and he's really strong. He's really strong. And uh, I think part of the reason that he was underranked as a three-star prospect was that he doesn't do the camp circuit. Um, but then he also went to a camp at Alabama, and he was the best player there. Um, he went to camp here at Ohio State, and he was really impressive. Uh, he just recently became a four-star. That was a long time coming. Uh, the rankings are kind of all over the place on him. and the compo- In the composite rankings, he's the number 11 running back in the country, and that brings together rivals scout 247 and espn but in 247's own individual rankings he's the number seven running back and the number 127 overall prospect in the country and he'd be higher had he not injured himself toward the end of his senior year um he doesn't he's not super fast like and i don't know how much you can put into these he's he's listed as a four five forty on 247 sports i don't know how accurate that is um he just he just he's so he's very very Strong and a downhill runner, and I think kind of the perfect back for this class. Now he's in the he's in the class with another really good running back, Brian Sneed, who doesn't get talked about a lot either, and, and he doesn't like ever do interviews. And I don't he, he's kind of a mystery to people. Master Teague, I think, is he's got a little under the radar buzz. I think there are people who really like him, and those people are vocal about it. And I think I think I've been one of them. Um, but he's entering a, a roster that has J.K. Dobbins for two more years. He's in a class with another running back who's really good. Jalen Gills in this class, who I don't think will be a true tailback, but he'll get some carries as well. Um, so it's not going to be an easy path to the field for Master T, but I do think he is probably the most underrated prospect in this class. I would agree with you there, Doug. Um, Urban Renewal asked, Torrance Gibson is in Columbus. Does that mean anything? Torrance Gibson tweeted um, that little pin emoji that people tweet when they're like on visits and stuff, and he tweeted one that said Columbus, Ohio. Um, I have not heard from anyone about anything related to Torrance Gibson in Ohio State. Um, I don't think it means anything. I don't even know if he was actually here. Um, and you can put your anywhere on Twitter, and who knows if you're actually telling the truth. I'm not saying Torrance Gibson was lying. Um, but you have to remember the reason, part of the reason that Torrance Gibson left Ohio State is because um, he didn't want to sort of be, have the stigma of the guy who was suspended by the university 
Um, he had to he had to get reinstated by the university. And I don't even think it's clear if that actually happened. Um, so it's not just like he could come back and sit and, and walk through the doors and have every everything be forgotten. Um, Urban Meyer was very staunchly opposed to his suspension from the university, but it happened. And I think Torrance Gibson, when he left Ohio State, put Ohio State behind him for good. So I'll just say that I think it means nothing. And if by some weird circumstance Torrance Gibson ends up back in this class, I will be shocked. Chase Richardson, and we have a couple more questions left. Um, he says, how likely is Emory Jones signing, given recent events in Crypto Tweet? I kind of touched on that, what I think. Um, and then he and Jordan Steele both had similar questions about remaining options at defensive end in 2018. Um, so Ohio State is in a position where it's most likely only going to have, and I mean only in the sense of, of headcount, not in the sense of skill. People, I tweeted this out. Early in their week, people were like, whoa, you can only say they only have Nick Bosa and Chase Young and Jonathan Cooper. I'll take that only. Like, no kidding. I'm not saying that they stink. I'm just saying that you want more than three defensive ends on your roster. So Tyquan Lewis is gone. Jalen Holmes is gone. They're both seniors. I'd imagine Sam Hubbard is going to the NFL. So that does leave a uh, junior Nick Bosa, who will be gone after next year, a sophomore Chase Young, and a redshirt sophomore Jonathan Cooper, who I don't know how good he's going to be, but he could certainly be good enough to leave after next year, too, if he wants to. Um, so then you're left in a position where like, it's not, I would say this isn't going to happen, but it's certainly possible that after the 2018 season, the only scholarship defensive end on your roster is Chase Young. So they need guys in this class. They need, they, they had, um, Brenton Cox just decommitted. They had Andrew Chatfield from Florida who was committed for a while and, and decommitted before the season started. And right now they don't have any defensive ends or anyone in the class who could like be converted to a defensive end. So, um, it's kind of a race, I think, to get, I think they would want two pass rushers in this class. And you know some of the names. You know Tyreek Smith. You know Jason Owe. Micah Parsons, who I said before, I don't think ends up in the class. I think Smith. they would they would love to have both Smith and Owe. I think it's possible they don't get either. Um, I think that Penn State probably still has the momentum with both. Now, I don't know if Penn State can take Parsons, Owe, and Smith. That seems unlikely. I think Penn State's class is pretty full, too. We look it up while I'm talking about it. I think they have over 20 commits while Ohio State is sitting here with uh, 19. Penn State in the 2018 recruiting class has 20 commitments, so they have spots for five more. I just can't imagine that three of those five remaining spots are going to go to defensive end, so that might work in Ohio State's favor, especially if it works after they take Parsons and then it leaves Smith and Oway, who Ohio State values over Parsons anyway. Um, but I think there's ground to be made up for both. Uh, it's not not a given that Tyreek Smith or or Jason Owe ends up at Ohio State. I think Jason Owe is probably down to Ohio State or Penn State, and I think that Tyreek Smith is probably down to Ohio State or Penn State with like USC making a push and um, Alabama did an in home visit with him this week. Um, I think Penn State had a lot of momentum with Tyreek Smith, and then and then he visited for. This is a surprise visit. I think it was for the Michigan State game. It was either Michigan State or Illinois, and Tyreek Smith showed up, and I don't think anyone was really expecting that. Um, so I think that's a good sign for Ohio State. It's it's a, an unofficial visit, and I know he's in state, but I think anytime a kid makes the effort to come to your school when you're not paying for him to come there, that's a good sign. Um, so uh, Smith and Owe are names. Uh, there's another one in uh, 2018, or there's two other ones in 2018, I should say. 
One is uh, Abdul Malik McLean, who is a four-star defensive end, who I believe is from California. Yeah, he's from California. He is committed to UCLA. Um, he is someone reported that he was visiting Ohio State this weekend. I think that is unconfirmed. It's certainly unconfirmed by me. Um, I think it's more likely he would come for a visit in January. Um, but Abdul Malik McLean, who is the number 14 weak side defensive end in the country, is a name to keep in mind. And then Casey Rogers, who's a three-star defensive end from Connecticut, who is officially visiting Ohio State this weekend. Um, I <laughs> read whatever you want into this, but Casey Rogers liked my tweet about Brenton Cox decommitting. Um, there's a lot of opportunity right now at Ohio State for pass rushers. Um, they like Rogers. He does not have an offer yet. Um, I think that they priority was trying to keep someone like Cox before they would offer Casey Rogers, but now that Cox is out of the class and Ohio State is in somewhat of desperation mode to get defensive ends, I would not be surprised to see an offer and or a commitment from Casey Rogers to Ohio State. Um, in the next week, he is also scheduled to officially visit Alabama um, next week, so maybe he, he holds off because of that. He does not have an offer from either Ohio State or Alabama. Um, but that, that doesn't mean anything. They could come. He's got an interesting story. He's a former Syracuse lacrosse commit. So uh, get your Sam Hubbard comparisons ready, I guess, if he ends up a Buckeye. Um, what makes him a little different is that he's 6'5", 250, where Sam Hubbard was, I think, around 220 pounds when he came to Ohio State and had played multiple positions before he settled at defensive end. I think Rodgers is a defensive end, and, and that's kind of known now. Um, I don't know athlete-wise how he compares with Sam. Casey's a three-star prospect. He's He doesn't have a national ranking. He's kind of off the radar a little bit. Um, but if Ohio State and Alabama like him, I think that tells you all you need to know about how, about how good he is. So um, he's a name I would keep in mind. And then I think Ohio State really pushes to try to get Jason Oway or Tyreek Smith and ultimately end up with two defensive ends in this class. Uh, and then final question from Chase Richardson was, who are the most important remaining targets in 2018? Um, I've thought all along, even through all the quarterback stuff, that Jackson Carmen is the most important target in Ohio State's class. They really need to replenish depth and talent on the offensive line. Urban Meyer has said repeatedly or talked repeatedly about misses on the offensive line. I've written several stories and asked them about it. I, there's, there's no other, I don't think there's another question to ask about it. It is what it is. They need reinforcements on the offensive line. Um, Jackson Carmen is a five-star offensive tackle from Fairfield, Ohio. He's in your backyard. You can't lose him to USC or Clemson. Um, I don't think they will. I do. I, my gut just tells me he ends up a Buckeye. Um, again, he was someone who showed up um, for an unofficial visit, I think, for the Michigan State game. And like I said, if, if he's coming on his own, I think that's a good sign, even though, even though he is a local commit or a local prospect. Um, so Carmen, in my mind, is, is still number one. I think that the, the urgency at defensive end probably bumps someone like Tyreek Smith up higher on the list than I've had him before. Um, and then outside of that, truly, truly, I think they're okay. Um, they, they need receivers, but it's just kind of been assumed that Cameron Babb, the four-star senior from St. Louis, is going to be in the class. And I think if you get him, you're good at receiver. Maybe you add another one. And that other one could be Cameron Brown. Um, it could be Chris Olave from California. Um, but I don't think there's any panic mode there. Um, I really don't think there's any panic mode for Ohio State at all at any position other than offensive line where they probably need two more. Jackson Carmen being one of them, uh, Walker Culver, a three-star tackle from Tennessee maybe, Rashid Walker, a four-star tackle from uh, Maryland, if they could get in with him, even though it looks like Penn State's the leader there. Um, a, a lot of the guys they're chasing outside of defensive end and offensive line are kind of 
just icing on the cake for this class. Um, guys like uh, Gautiote, Solomon Tulia Pupu, um, Tommy Togiai, defensive tackle um, from Idaho, Cade Mays, an offensive tackle from Tennessee. Um, I think this. I mean, with 19 commitments, there's not much, not much for for Ohio State to do. Um, I think they're in a good spot. I think if they can get Carmen, they're in a, they're in a great spot. Even if Emory Jones leaves, um, you're you're set enough with your roster at quarterback that while losing Emory Jones would be a hit for your future quarterback position, it doesn't hurt you. I think in the next two years, and you can kind of regroup and, and go after your guy and identify him in 2019. So it's not the end of the world. Um, so I think they're okay. I think they're okay if they, especially if they can get Carmen. Uh, let me see if there are any other questions before I wrap up. Um, there was a Jackson Carmen collection or collection Jackson Carmen question. Um, Gage Tipton says Carmen was talking about Clemson being his number one option. Should that concern Ohio state? Um, he was, he'd been talking about Clemson for a while. Um, I think Clemson's did a good job recruiting him. I just think it's my gut. And if I'm wrong, you can yell at me for being wrong. I'm not trying to give anybody false hope. I just truly think he's going to end up at Ohio state. Um, I think he's playing, uh, he's not playing a game, but he's, he's doing the thing that Jalen Gill did a little bit last year where he wants to be a national recruit. Um, Jalen Gill even went as far as to like fake commit to USC at, or UCLA at his signing day ceremony. And then guess where he ended up? He ended up at Ohio state. Uh, he's from Columbus. He was here a ton. Like, he was here as much as anybody on the team. Jackson Carmen's not quite in that boat, um, but Jackson Carmen has been here a lot, and I think he has good relationships with Ohio State. I think the Twitter stuff with Kirk Herbstreet about Dwayne Haskins has been very overblown. Um, so I think they're in a good spot with him. I think they're in a good spot with him. I think he'll he'll visit USC, he'll visit Clemson, and there'll still be some uncertainty there. But I would be surprised if he doesn't end up a Buckeye when he makes his announcement um, around the early signing period. And I think maybe Ohio State would too. I, th- I think they feel like they're in a pretty good spot with him. So let me see. Any other questions? Buckeye Dell says, rumors in Newcastle PA this week that Young Hooker is not solid with his verbal to the Buckeyes. Hear anything? I have not heard anything about that, Dell. Um, doesn't surprise me. Like there's, I'm sure like Pitt and, and maybe Penn State even would want a shot at Marcus Hooker, but I have not heard anything. Um, so I'm not going to pretend to explore that. Um, let's see. Alex Strapp says, does the loss of Brenton Cox change anything with Ohio State Micah Parsons? No, I said that before. Is Matthew Baldwin closer to JT Barrett or Stephen Collier coming out of high school? Uh, Barrett, for sure. Um, pick one surprisingly, surprising highly rated flip uncommitted candidate that chooses the Buckeyes. Um, I would say Cameron Brown, like I said before. I, I don't think there are many flip opportunities out there. Um, well, there probably are some under the radar that maybe I just don't know about because Urban Meyer's really good at that stuff. But Cameron Brown, the four-star receiver from Nebraska, um, would be the one that I guess I would have on, on flip watch, if you want to call it that. Um, and he's visiting this weekend, so maybe something with that can happen soon. So that looks like all the questions. Uh, I appreciate uh, you guys sending them in. We will do a full Buckeye talk on Wednesday with myself and Doug LaMaurice or myself, Doug LaMaurice and Tim Bielek, um, kind of breaking down the whole class, like not probably going a little bit player by player, where guys fit in, what it means for the roster, what this class means in the grand scheme of Urban Meyer's recruiting um, in terms of like where like best class ever or whatever. Um, we'll get into all that stuff on Wednesday to uh, give you a primer for the following Wednesday, which is the first day of the early signing period on December 20th. 
Um, like I said, I'll do a basketball pod uh, maybe next weekend. Um, Ohio State play basketball plays this Saturday, and they play next Saturday. And then uh, they have a game midweek, and then they play UNC on December 23rd, and that's kind of like the last major non-conference game before Big Ten play kicks off and before we leave for the Cotton Bowl um, in, in Dallas. So uh, we will get a basketball pot out before Big Ten season starts, I promise you that. Um, hopefully hopefully next weekend, if not certainly sometime before that UNC game. Um, so thanks for listening. Uh, this, again, was Buckeye Talk. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on uh, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, most places wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, you can find it at cleveland.com. Uh, where we give you coverage of the Buckeyes, basketball, football, football and basketball recruiting, and then obviously football and basketball team coverage. Um, so again, I'm Bill Landis. You can find me on Twitter at BillLandis25. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the questions. We'll see you next week. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>